0: You're working with musicians here, come on. (laughs)
1: day podcast radio show with Bruce Hilliard today and every day reaching out for innovative ideas in every way today's show is brought to you by your future it comes with a
2: lifetime guarantee
1: welcome back
2: my friends to the show that never ends we're so glad you could attend come inside come inside Today's guest is one of the last people to work with the late, great Keith Emerson. For you young folks, he was the E in ELP or Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. It's worth a Google. Check it out. You'll like him. Except for this song you're about to hear called Never. Emerson's final keyboard work was part of three with Keith Emerson, Carl Palmer, and today's guest, Robert Berry, who has also worked with Ambrosia, Alliance, and the Greg Kinn Band. He is known in the industry as a producer, recording engineer, songwriter, vocalist, player of keyboards, guitars, bass, drums, basically one-stop shopping. Please welcome Robert Berry and a few tracks from his new solo release, Third Impression.
0: Like I said, Bruce, you're working with musicians here. Come on. <laughs> I know. I set up a sound
2: system at a new gathering spot in town, and he didn't have anything set up, so I kind of jury-rigged up a, a, a ghetto setup, basically. And yeah got it to work, but that's what I told him. I said, what do you expect? I'm a musician. You need to get a sound (laughs) engineer to do this stuff. John Lappin sent me an email saying you had a new release, and I talked to you. I looked it up. It was two and a half years ago after The Rules of Changed came out, and that's been a long two and a half years, including a pandemic, and God knows what. We've been through a lot. What a year. That's for sure, huh? And for me, The Rules
0: of Changed went far beyond my wildest dreams. I did it because at that certain point I felt I should, you know, it was the last thing that Keith did. yeah, And then it just kind of took off around the world. And I also thought I'd get criticized and I didn't. So that was really odd. I thought, oh, someone's going to say, hey, you're working on the Emerson name. You're doing this. It had nothing to do with that. I expected, you know, the real three fans and the Emerson and, or Barry fans to, to have it. Make it part, like you say, I have a, a, lot of, a lot of different albums out. and the reviews and stuff were so like kind and almost like open arms, you know, just we're sorry that we lost Keith and we're going to embrace this album. like it felt really good. And then the pandemic hit, of course.
2: You did the the yeah. key thing well. I mean, you know, somebody could have looked at it that way, and it was very humble of you to think of it that way. But you know, I I didn't at all.
0: You know, he was he played all those parts that I played. It's just the state wouldn't let me use his parts, which we talked about before, because they and you might not remember this, but they said we want him remembered as a composer. I said, what now? If you know anything about Keith Emerson. He stuck knives in the keyboards. He blew off firebombs. I mean, he pulled the organ on top of him. He was the only keyboard player that was a showman like that. And to remember him as a composer, huh? (laughs) That didn't make sense to me.
2: I wonder what he would have said about that. Yeah, I've known people that have seen him nine times. Yeah. Yeah, He was a live performer, definitely. Oh, yeah. So 3.2 is uh, like a continuation of 3, which was Keith Emerson, Carl Palmer, and you, correct? Yes, that's right. Well, wow, couldn't you find anybody good to play with? <laughs> I always you know, have to say that, that. It's
0: funny. I've been asked a, a few times, well, why did you do this by yourself? There's plenty of guys that want to be involved. And when Keith and I were working together when he's alive, we had talked about Simon Phillips doing the drums for us. He didn't want to use Carl. Keith said, no, no, I want to get Simon. Was, oh, well, I'm good with that because Simon did an ELP tribute album with me. And his drumming is, of course, incredible. Then Keith's gone. And, you know, I look at it this way. Keith was the sound and half the writing of the first three album. I was half the writing and I was the voice of the first three album. So I sort of knew what it was all about and I'm capable of doing these parts and stuff. So I thought, you know, if I add a keyboard player and I add a drummer, it's going to change it from what Keith and I had agreed was our parameters and I can actually complete those parameters by myself. So for this three thing, and I was going to put it to bed after the rules had changed. that was it for me. You know, Mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to do this one. I'm going to do exactly what Keith and I talked about. And that'll be that. And that's why I didn't use anybody else. It wasn't that Hey, look at me. I can play everything. It was that nobody else would have had the thread of what three really was. They weren't on the inside of it. And I, I've been in enough bands and had enough projects go on to realize how it starts to go in different directions, which you want, you know, if Simon Phillips plays in the album, you don't want Carl Palmer out of Simon Phillips. You want Simon Phillips, you know? So that's, that's what I did myself. The reason I did this third impression because the record company called and said, look, we've got a lot of albums. This is frontier records. We can't tell you how many we sell of white snake and you know, all these Aerosmith, all these people, Asia, they put out, but the rules of change did really well, and we think you ought to do a follow-up. And I said, well, I only have one song I didn't use, and I really I don't think I want to do a follow-up. They said, well, think about it, because not many albums do that well. And I, I was kind of intrigued. So I said, look, if I can write seven songs that I'm proud of and that I think that Keith would have wanted to work on, then I'll go back to that one song I have called Never that's nine minutes long and I'll finish it up. And what I didn't, we talked about, you know, the pandemic and everything that's happened in the last two and a half years. But the response to the rules of change really kind of empowered me um, lyrically and everything else. And, of course, the loss of Keith took me to a new sort of deeper place in, in my, my heart and my, my soul, i say, for writing lyrics and things. And I came to this realization that, well, you know, if I do this, this has to be like really important stuff and it has to come from my heart. And it. so I wrote these songs and I said, well, I got seven that I think he would have worked on and that I actually like. And part of that is moving where I would move past three. Cause I knew if I going to put this album out, I had to do something that took me to the next thing I was going to do. So this album's a bridge to that. Then I got to finish never, and I sent it to Aaron Emerson, his son. I said, Aaron, they want me to do this album now. I'm, I'm sort of on the cusp. I, I said, uh, I can do it. I have the material and I have this one song with your dad. What do you think? And he said, wow, this is really a great piece of music. You should put the album out. So I let Frontiers put it out. and Bruce, here we are.
1: the names we cry the fight begins and in the tears the world starts again as the old ways end life
2: It's great. I'm really, I'm so glad you did too. I love your stuff and it's got some epic stuff on it too. And, and I, I can't get enough of that. Not, not anybody's really doing that anymore. You're kind of a, I don't even know what to call you. Yeah, you're carrying the torch. Oh, a musician. <laughs> the derogatory term, yeah, you're, musician. <laughs> you're a pretty humble guy. Uh, I'm looking for other names oh. on it. Uh, did you do everything?
0: Yes. And again, that is the half, only half that album of the new one, the third impression has the three sound and style. And I have all the stuff that that Keith would use. I have a Moog, the Corg Oasis keyboard. You know, I have all that stuff. In fact, Keith got me a lot of it. We were working together way back in 88. Um, And we had gone past the drumming of the original album with Carl into something a little more solid, and a little heavier beat-wise, that was one of our parameters, you know, for what we wanted to do. Yeah, and I would work up the demos at that point when Keith and I were writing, you know, over the phone and stuff. I I work up the demos and I send it to him, and it just it just worked. I I can't tell you why. It I, I do that for a living every day. I play all the instruments, and everybody's songs, you know. That's that's why they come to me. Mm-hmm. But I can't tell you why the style. um remained the three sound and style, except for that I was part of
2: it. You know, I was either half or a third, ever you want to look at it. So third impression came out in February, correct? Yes. That's, that's cool. So it's on all streaming platforms and wherever toys are sold.
0: That's right. It's, it's everywhere. I, I got to tell you again, um, the rules of change got the best reviews of my life. And I hate to say it because that's going kind to of jinx me, but Third Impression is getting better reviews than that. And
1: oh, no I mean,
0: I, oh my God, I couldn't be happier, um, especially since half the album moves toward what I feel I'll do in the future, which is, you know, other influence, the, the Celtic stuff, uh, you know, a, a, a Zeppelin, John Bonham drumming kind of influence, so all the stuff that I love. Um, this album kind of goes toward that. It takes the progressive stuff, the epic songs you're talking about, but it also keeps the AOR part, which has the chorus, you know, that hook chorus or something you can remember once you listen to the song, Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm so thrilled with the the response. That sounds like I'm just doing a press interview with you, but I'm very serious. I did not expect people to like this better. I thought, okay, well, we got the one song you wrote with Keith. That's good. The rest of it, forget it.
2: Right? (laughs) And it hasn't been the case. Your passion is infectious, though. You know, not a good time to uh, be saying infectious, I suppose, but we'll come up with a better <laughs> term. But con- contagious? No, that's not good either. Uh, it's going viral. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's still bad. <laughs> I can't find it. But anyway, yeah. i starting to itch, dude. And just to talk to you is wonderful. What was behind Top of the World in the writing of that?
0: I got to tell you that that song, uh, I had this thing in mind. And I wanted to honor, without her knowing it, my wife, Rebecca, and how much some other person, doesn't have to be your wife, it could be anybody that you know is there 100% supporting you. When you walk in a room, they say, oh, have you heard his new album? Whatever it is, you know, or when you get home after a long day, they say, hey, I seem tired. Whatever it is that supports you and makes you feel um, like you can take on the world, even though things are beating at you. That that's what Top of the World is about, and for me, it's about her. Um, she sort of changed my life to, to being happy all the time. It's 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 a weird thing. She's a second grade teacher, and she's just happy. She makes the most out of everything. She never says a bad word about anybody, and so I said I, I want to write this tribute to people like that, and for me, I'm I was modeling you know my feeling about the way she is, but then I thought you know, I think as I was writing it, this might be the first song on the album. I want to throw people a left curve in the introduction. I love this kind of Celtic acoustic guitar kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm going to make the first minute of this. (laughs) So non three. And so non keyboard that when people put the album on, they're going to go, well, I'm going to keep listening, but this isn't what I was expecting at all. Now that was a risky move on my part, but Keith's gone. And I don't, I barely felt I had the right to do this album with, with the one song, you know. Um, so I want to make sure that people knew that I was moving on from the, from the three sounds. So I gave it to them right between the eyes, first song, expecting criticism. And again, I would say half the people picked that as their favorite song.
2: It's but visceral. You can't explain it. Yeah, it's it's really yeah. really emotional. I think
0: it, it is. And to me, I've always been super positive. I, my mom was positive. You know, when I was little, she's always positive. I got that gene. Always been positive. That's uh, a lot of my lyrics and stuff are, are looking at a positive slant, even if it's a negative subject. And for me to come to this new place that was even more positive and see what that person, I mean, that person could be a teacher for kids, like junior high, high school kids, where there's a teacher that inspires them. It can make such a difference in their life.
2: Yeah.
0: It's, a, you know, and it's maybe not even a mentor. I, I had a teacher in high school that was this crusty old English teacher and he lived in a boat in Santa Cruz Harbor and all other teachers used to say, oh, that guy, he's so weird. But <laughs> I was so involved in my band But I, you know, I was a C student without really trying. Then my parents are okay with that. You know, hey, if you get a C, you pass, you're good, you know. (laughs) So he said, you know, he called me in. He goes, you know, you're not really engaged in this. He goes, I want you to write me songs and make me movies for your your, uh, papers. I go, what? Yeah, take your 8 millimeter film camera and then write some music to it. And I did it, and I got all A's, and I was so engaged that, I feel like he didn't mentor me, but he inspired me because he'd looked at me and said, hey, you you can do this. Try it. See what you think. That's those kind of people are all around.
2: He yeah. must have saw that in you because you were thinking at a different level. You must have been pretty bored with the other stuff. And in order to, you know, uh, to do that, yeah. you'd have to visualize it and you'd have to hear it and in your head like you do. And I know you can do it because you do it all the time now. But for him to, to recognize that mm-hmm. into you, yeah, it must have been flattering.
0: It, it was well. It was nothing to me except for okay. I get to write songs for English. Yeah, I played the first. Yeah, I was a sophomore at that point. What is that? Fifteen. Mm-hmm. I brought my tape recorder and my projector in. He turned off the lights. <laughs> I had to start the projector and then tape recorder. I had to Just practice that at home. That was the up. hardest part of the assignment. <laughs> you <Yeah. laughs> had <laughs> yeah, to pick it up. And I played it, and the class loved it. And see, that's another thing that, that happened to me because of that. Not only did he have me do that in the class, oh, that was so cool, because they had to write papers, and they would rather be making movies, but he asked me if I wanted to play with my band at the lunch um, quad. And I said, okay. And I was, I was a pretty shy kid, and I didn't have a big mouth like I have now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I said, okay. And I brought my band into the cafeteria actually at lunch. And even though we were playing somebody else's music, I got a standing ovation. The very first There was three lunches. The first a standing ovation. I'm like, what the hell? I mean, these things from this one guy empowered me. Like the song says, you know, oh, um, it was just the weirdest thing. My, of course, my dad had a music store. My mom was singing my dad's band. So it was all around me, but you don't, I don't, you don't identify things, you know, when you're eight, nine, 10 years old, maybe back then, maybe now more so because there's so much social media and people see these nine-year-old girls playing eruption by Benny, Eddie Van Halen on guitar, you know, yeah, yeah. but back then we weren't exposed to so much. And they, this guy drug this out of me organically. It, it was a real experience with real reaction. And that's what happened to me years later. With you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say Rebecca. She doesn't know that song's still uh, inspired really? and about her. Really, it's about people like her. But that was the inspiration. So one of these days, she'll say, "You've done an awful lot of interviews. I should read one."
2: <laughs> she'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the standing ovation's cool. I just mean, see up there. How old are you when you do this? Um,
0: that was a year that was, I was 16 then.
2: Okay. So sorry. it was a, you know, like junior, junior in high school and
0: that, that totally unexpected. Uh, and
2: so I could see up there. Okay. I'll be here all week. Tip your waitress. I'm out of here. Yeah,
0: you know what I thought? It was, I can still remember feeling it. I go, wow, it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. Right. Cause that was the top of the mountain for me at that point. It, little do you know, like, like with third impression, I thought the rules have changed was the deepest lyrics I've ever written because I lost Keith right in the middle working on that. And that hit me so hard and emotional on many levels. One of them being that I'd never be able to do another three album. The other one being that he was my most famous cool friend that a guy could ever know. He was just so funny and everything. There's all kinds of things, right? And here I get this third impression out and it builds to the next level again. And it's hard to explain. I mean, I'll rattle on forever, you know.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's cool. What was the thing? Was Keith having trouble with his hands, or what was the deal with him? I don't know if you want to dwell on that anymore. but if Uh,
0: Sure. I'll give you a little bit. People think that because he had an operation on his right arm that he couldn't play as well as he used to, and that was taking him down. That was really bugging him and they from what i've heard even recently they didn't really have to do that operation the way they did it so they sort of ruined his arm you know the greatest keyboard player in the world they ruined his arm but he had some impending heart problems he needed to deal with he had had a little colon issue that got solved um he did have a little depression and took himself off of prozac or whatever it was but when he and i worked we you know I saw him at the NAM show, the music show. We talked about it stuff, but most of it. Now you can FaceTime on the phone or just on a phone call, but I'll show you what I have here right in front of me because I'm in front of my Pro Tools in my studio, and he had a Casio piano in his bedroom, I think it was, <laughs> and I have one in my control room that I tell you, are a singer, I go, no, 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 you need to, you know, you're, you're flat, sing that note. So he'd play his, and he'd play... And I'd play, okay, uh, really, he go, yeah, yeah, yeah G, yeah. And, and I'd sort of put in the Pro Tools because his pieces were to surround the vocals. So I, then I'd go, there's a change, you know, I'd, I'd do my piece in there, and, and we combine them, and then we'd talk again about how to link all and make those flow. It was a, such a cool process. And I had got us a lot of money from Frontiers. They really wanted this album they've been bugging me for 10 years before this to do another three album i wouldn't even talk to keith about it because he sort of broke up the band in 89 from criticism he had now he is ready to do it so i was sort of his happy place you know we were talking um he not have to worry about his hand you know he didn't have to worry about the health issues and stuff we were just doing music so i had no idea that that depression what's going on, and I've learned a lot about depression. I even did an album for a, a place that works with it. It's a dark hole that we can't see in. It, it's a different place, and they can't see out. Whoever's in that mode that's looking at like suicide, they feel there's no way out of that. And I can't understand yeah. that, and you probably can't understand that either because we could never get down in that hole.
2: Uh, yeah, you, you wish you could help somebody like that, but yeah, even the professionals have trouble with it. So I'm gonna. That's right. Yeah, I'm gonna remain being positive like you, and if I can influence people to remain positive, I can do that. I think, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I yeah. don't know what to say and, about and,
0: that? And if people, if you can get them to talk, yeah, that's say, talk to somebody. I see all the time. If you have this problem, talk to somebody. Well, they're they're down in this isolated black hole and it's just not that easy that you know I, I like I, said, I did six songs for a company that helps people that have tried to commit suicide and I learned a lot about it and like you said yeah. even the professionals they don't know how to really change that mindset unless it's a chemical induced depression you know uh, anyway I don't want to talk about that too much more it's kind of a downer
2: oh, it was- so. Fascinated, you guys did kind of scratch takes with Casio keyboards.
0: Yes, <laughs> this is a Casio right in front of me, <laughs> and it's a MIDI controller, too. So, oh, yeah, you know, if I need to down something, like I said, you know, he'd play, and I go. <laughs> i play chopsticks and you go yeah if you play the chopsticks with the flat nine and they you the run and the, okay
2: i would love a to bit a bit of of fly on casio. the wall yeah i'm jamming
0: with Your, keith my Emerson casio <laughs> my casio is 399 dollars is i think the top of the line is like 1600 or something which still is a lot of money but he would brag about it because it had weighted keys the best casio uh, digital piano is really good it yeah. feels like a real grand piano and it's it's amazing
2: yeah i don't know that much about them, but when i think of casio i yeah. think of you know it's a kind of a, a blister pack as you go out the store or something like that
0: you go into target and get one yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i'm probably totally off on that but but uh yeah that's and yeah, with keith emerson yeah we're just kind of sitting back playing our casio keyboards here
0: you know part of the reason i could do these albums the way I did them also. Not only because that Keith Carl and I developed this sound and this style in 1988 and we worked hard on it and I learned how they did what they did and what they did. And you know, they wanted me as the new guy to influence them. They always treated me as an equal, but I was a fan. I'm going, oh my God, here we are. I have a video of Keith playing stuff in the rehearsal room. They're so funny and, but I saw how he played and I could never play like him. And he was just incredible. But that sound and that style, I loved it as a fan and I loved it as a player with him. Then we're doing this on the piano on the phone Mm -hmm. and it's like having a piano lesson from Keith Emerson. It it just entered me. You know, it's all I can say. (laughs) You're in Seattle,
2: right? I'm just north of Seattle. So it's called Muckle T.O. So how, how open has it been there for you to play over the last year? Uh, not open at all. So not, <laughs>
0: okay, I, that's, that's what yeah, I was expecting. Yeah, <laughs> I
2: didn't pursue it too much. Uh, The governor here has got everything locked up pretty tight. So, and uh, so this it was a new place that just opened down the street here. And the guy, I I, I work out at the Y in the morning, and I met this guy, and he said, "Yeah, I'm yeah. opening a restaurant." And I, you know, I hear you're a musician. And I thought, oh, this is perfect. I'd open a restaurant in the middle of a pandemic you must be crazy like me. Yeah. Sure. I'm a musician. I'll play there. So <laughs> that's yeah. how that came about. That's a dumb idea. Count me in.
0: I'm always interested. You know, I, I, I like to, at least some people, you, you're easy to talk to. We have a conversation here because some people give me the facts on nothing but the facts. You know, Okay. All right. Well, the yeah, album's out and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It, those interviews aren't so much fun, but uh, once in a while you hit a guy like you, that's just easy to talk to, you know?
2: Oh, I'm just a regular old old hippie, I guess I am. I don't know. I was going to say
0: you're a lowly musician like me. That's why God, we get along. You're so
2: so not. Gosh, you're just and you're <laughs> at the top of your game too. I think isn't that isn't that great? I mean, that's uh, I don't feel like I'm getting old at all. I'm 65, and it's, right. this is just getting better and better all the time. You know,
0: our parents. In their sixties, or like that's ah, parents okay. were grandparents in their fifties were old. They were yeah. hunched over, gray hair, right? Yeah, yeah. And their their music and our parents' music didn't transfer like like because my parents had a big band, it was Frank Sinatra and stuff. Yeah. But then from Elvis to now, it's not that much different. You know, we can do Elvis, the Beatles, or some hip hop stuff, and actually pull it off because we get it. So it, it's odd the way music is changed, but I don't know, not that much. You know, I do a lot of young girls' uh, songs down here, the hip-hop stuff. I love doing it. I'm capable of doing it. I have the, all the drum loops and stuff. Of course, I'm, you know, more into the rock thing on my own deal, but...
2: But you can't um, do it. It's you, funny. Are, you
0: understand yeah. it. Yeah. No, I think for years, you say you're 65, I think, you know, I use Paul McCartney as a judge. He's 78 and oh, just I put know. out a great album. You know, come on. You know, you got at least another 13 years, right? So. Yeah, I
2: think so. <laughs> Boy, to, to sing his old stuff like he used to sing, it's tough. It's pretty physical. But he,
0: If he it, would lower the key a half step or something, <laughs> he doesn't. He, he doesn't. Could, I mean, come on. Hey, June, Helter Skelter, right after each other, What's he expect? 78 <laughs> years old, you know? Come on, he still has a voice.
2: <laughs> I saw Ringo interviewed. <clears throat> of course, he was on the end of the Grammys and everything. He didn't really have a chance to talk but uh he was on one of the late night talk shows and they're talking about the remake of let it be and the fact that he said no we were actually having fun the real uh yep. documentary was looked pretty grim he said no no we were having a good I've time yeah
0: <laughs> yep i've seen that i can't wait for that to come out hey. and uh yeah see what that's all it, it, it's funny that in the end you other know, the two guys are dead but ringo would probably be the best looking. He has held up really Wait, good. He looks great.
2: I know mean, Isn't that funny? <laughs> he's the oldest guy in yeah. the band. Here's a piece yeah. of trivia. He's left-handed, so the only survivors are left-handed. Oh, that's interesting.
0: Uh, I, I knew he's left-handed because he plays right-handed and it makes his style yeah. hard to copy the feel of it. <laughs>
2: yeah, I saw, I saw some video on that. I kind of didn't get it, but I always thought, oh, God, you play good. With him, he kind of came out of the... How did the big band feel, the swing kind of feel and stuff? So, the, the yeah. early Beatles stuff really had a cool groove that way, I think. And they were good at that.
0: Yeah. That, even, the, even the straight stuff, he had a swing and hi hat. So, it was, it was interesting. You yeah. Know? <laughs> well, I yeah. sure appreciate your time, man. That's yeah, really, yeah, it's a lot me. of fun. A good way to start my day here. I got a session coming in a few minutes. And okay. I told John, you, you know, John, whenever, you know, you just set them up, I'll make room. So. he he, john's a good guy he's done i did 75 interviews through him and i hire him myself the record company has their own people and i do about 40 for them and they're all the top level magazines and stuff you know and i find that guys like you that have listeners or readers whatever it is if you only have five of them they like you they're more faithful They're, they're closer in your circle and they'll check it out where these – sometimes these big magazines get no traction for our sales and stuff at all.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I do. I have, I have loyal <laughs> listeners and a lot of them are are in India and I don't know why. Wow. I know. Well, that's cool. So you are got to wow. be big in India now all of a sudden. I don't know. <laughs>
0: Well, I'm in Silicon Valley, so I'm big in India
2: already. <laughs> we have lots <laughs> I of Indians here. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Same up here. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of tech stuff up here. Yeah. We're like the United Nations up here and a lot of a Yeah, lot of that's places. cool. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. All right. I'm going to let you go. So thank right. you for your time. Right. Uh, I mean, I'm glad I met you. You're always interesting to talk to. You're a great guy.
0: Well, I got something new next year that's going to blow everybody's socks off. So we're going to talk again. All right, I'm ready. Next next year. All
2: right, man. You got it. All right, talk to you City.
1: Make a